Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, I have been in Ketchum, Idaho this past week, and I am still currently in Ketchum, but just about to head back to Crested Butte. And among other things I have been doing in Ketchum is hanging out with and riding bikes with one of our Blister members, Jake Bilbro. Now, Jake lives here in Ketchum. He is very passionate about the outdoors, and he is also passionate about making good wine. And in this conversation, we talk about Jake's unique background, ski culture and wine culture, and why it seems so natural to Jake to make it easier to bring good wine into the great outdoors. Above all, this is a good conversation with another cool member of our Blister community who is doing something innovative in the outdoor space. And so Jake is somebody I think all of you ought to know. And so with that, let's get to it. Well, I am here with Jake Bilbro at the like brand new Revel Shine headquarters. I'm probably not the first person to see this space, but I feel like I'm, this is early. Well, I mean, if you count my wife and children, you're not the first person. If you don't count my wife and children, you are the first person. Yes. We, we don't even have uh, furniture in here yet, so. Well, you had turned a trash can upside down that maybe was going to be your chair, but you scrounged one up from somewhere. I did scrounge one from the neighbors. This is a very cool space, first of all. I know you well enough and know how you do things that I suspect the next time I see this space, it's going to be, there's going to be quite a transformation that will have taken place. Either that or it won't look any different than it is now. It's going to be one of two extremes. (laughs) You know, I think we should start, well, actually where we should start is saying, I mean, we are here... I mean, this is still technically, I'm, I'm still figuring out the, the landscape, right? We are still in Ketchum proper. Correct. But we're on the warm spring side of things. Help, yes. help me say this the appropriate way. So we are currently in Ketchum, Idaho. If, uh, if people really wanted to know the specifics, we're in the industrial district, industrial district right next to Warm Springs. And looking out at the windows, we're looking up at the boulders, uh, Boulder Mountain Range, and it's a little bit smoky. But if if it weren't smoky, we'd catch some little glimpses of the sawtooths behind that. So, yeah, and. I kind of love these origin stories. I think we should talk a little bit about how you and I first got connected. How did we first get connected? I am a Blister member. I've been a Blister member for years, um, for years and years. And I finally, this past winter, directly reached out um, because I was looking for a new pair of backcountry skis and I was looking for some direction. And I talked with Luke and... I finally dropped the hint that maybe if anybody was interested in wine, I'd send you some. And we developed a friendship from there and found out we had a lot of mutual friends back from the Taos arena and other things. So, yeah, it's kind of gone quick. Yeah. It's too early in the day for us to be, you know, drinking anything other than coffee. But if we were drinking something other than coffee, this is the spot where we would raise a glass to Muggsy. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeff Mugglestein, the man, the myth and the legend. Well, that was a pretty succinct and, and accurate history. Yep. And uh, and so we have been talking. And by the way, it was really nice. I, we didn't talk a whole lot about this on Blister, but 
we did turn 10 years old this past year. And I was like, I don't know, we don't need to make a big thing about that. We still, we're heads down. We're about to, you know, go full force into a blister summit, you know, and, but it was cool when I, I mentioned that to you in just a conversation we were having and you were like, man, that's huge. Like, congrats. And you sent some wine out with a really nice note kind of for the, the blister turning 10 occasion. And that meant a lot. Yeah, well, good. We've run in parallel. Um, kind of my day job of Limerick Lane, this is our 11th year. And so about the same amount of time that we've both been pushing these boulders up the hill, we've been doing it together. Um, and yeah, sent you a little bit of wine for the 10 year and we sent some more wine because even though I couldn't be there in person, um, we certainly wanted to be a part of the inaugural Blister Summit. Yeah. And that was really cool. And um, by the way, one of the really interesting things for me, and I've, I've told you this, but my good friend who I always just call Super Mike, he actually makes rosé and he had the Revel Shine rosé uh, at the summit for the first time. And, you know, you always, I have my opinions on stuff, but you like to get the opinions of other informed folks. And Mike was just gushing about the Revel Shine Rosé. And I thought that's pretty good because he is not somebody who would gush if he, uh, if he didn't feel like it. So. Well, I'll send him a virtual high five on that <laughs> one then. <laughs> so you have a very interesting background in history. And one of the things that we're going to get into, because it's one of the things you and I have talked about. And in fact, when we were riding bikes the other day, this came up again in conversation, but before we go there, say a bit more about your own background. And let's, I, I think it's interesting, your own athletic background. Talk yeah. to us a bit about that. Well, I was a collegiate athlete. I was a collegiate rugby player. I played all around the country. I played in Fiji. I played in New Zealand. Um, I grew up surfing. I grew up abalone diving. I grew up spearfishing, certainly skiing, mountain biking. Um, I'm a fourth generation winemaker from Sonoma County in California. And um, probably, what my dad taught me in a deeper way than winemaking, although that is certainly the life that I was taught um, or brought up in was the lifestyle of winemaking, which for him was being outside. And so um, he really worked the, the, the world of wine around um, a lifestyle of fishing in Alaska, hunting in Montana, skiing in Taos, skiing in Colorado, skiing in Utah, doing anything he could to, to engage the outdoors. And that really impressed itself upon me and my wife and our children. And so here we are in Ketchum where I commute back to Sonoma County to, <laughs> to make it all work. So how old were you when you started skiing? You know, um, some of my earliest memories were in the ocean. So honestly, it's kind of funny. Um, and I'm going a roundabout way to answer your question. The first thing that my dad really impressed upon me was abalone diving. And I remember, um, actually him going to like the Goodwill and buying these, buying these used wetsuits and cutting the arms and cutting the legs down. So they were short enough to fit me and I could not move. I was like a starfish and he'd lay me on my belly in the, in the water. And so I could watch him dive. And I, I don't think I skied all that young, to be honest. I was at least 11 or 12 years old. The first time that I went skiing, my family, you know, we lived a pretty humble 
upbringing and, and ski culture wasn't part of it, especially being four hours from Tahoe, et cetera. Um, I, uh, all the way through, I, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I was a, I was a beach guy and I still am very much a beach guy, but, um, it was the ocean and it was water. And in college, when I was in UC Santa Barbara, um, I got recruited to go play in Aspen rugby. And that was the first real time I had skied prior, you know, enjoyed skiing. I'd snowboarded for a long time, but that was the first time where, um, the mountain lifestyle more than the ski lifestyle or the snowboarding lifestyle or the mountain biking lifestyle really was impressed upon me. And, and I kind of made a big flip. And so, sorry. So skiing and mountain biking kind of roughly around that same time. Yeah. In, in beginning ways. And then I traveled more for rugby. That was when I went to Fiji. I went to New Zealand. Um, when I eventually worked my way back home, actually, uh, my best friends were all here in Ketchum, Idaho, when they were working construction, uh, working all summer and getting ready to ski all winter. And I was like, I'm there. And I had no money. I'd finished traveling and playing rugby and whatnot. And I asked my dad if I could work for him for two weeks to get enough money to get here. And then I never left. I really realized how beautiful Sonoma County was and the, the lifestyle of, you know, working in a vineyard, and making wine is pretty, pretty special too. So, um, it kind of got put on hold for a little while while I really dug into the wine industry and, and that. Um, but sooner than later, you know, ski trips were becoming a normal thing and um, mountain biking was hugely becoming a normal thing. And yeah. yeah so. And now you've got like the kids who are shredding on skis and shredding on mountain bikes. And so that you're the little, yeah, the little groms that yeah. I can't even keep up with anymore. We have, many of those in Crested Butte. And I'm always just like, what is, what's happening right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, did I, did I tell you my boy took second yesterday no. in the mountain bike race? Yeah. Huh. So my kids yesterday morning, uh, there was a race up here up at Galena and, uh, my 13 year old took second and my 11 year old took fifth wow. in the junior competition. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that gives us a bit of the background. So let's then talk about getting into winemaking and am I right to think of that as being sort of the same time that you are purchasing Limerick Lane or is getting back into to winemaking precede? Yeah, no. So I came home after college and after traveling, I was 23 years old and I worked with my dad for 15 years. Okay. Um, we bought, my wife and I bought Limerick Lane 11 years ago. Um, it was in foreclosure. Limerick Lane is in the Russian River Valley of Sonoma County. It is a 111-year-old vineyard with a very small winery on it that was in very poor shape. Um, and we figured we would make a run at it. Uh, and so with my family's blessing, um, we purchased the winery um, and started turning it around. You know, we uh, were currently... Actually, I think we just got beat out last year for, for about eight years. We were the highest rated Zinfandel and wine spectator history, but now I think we're the second highest rated Zinfandel and wine spectator history. Um, we've certainly got a lot of accolades. We have the, the Limerick Lane vineyard. I would love to take more credit for It's an extraordinary vineyard. And so it's very old and it's in a very unique area, which just produces exemplary fruit. Um, and so, you know, we were having babies and turning a business around and getting it going. Um, we haven't talked about my wife much. She was a professional triathlete. She was a ski racer when she was a little girl. Um, and so, you know, but that both of those lifestyle pieces for us were on the back burner because we were just trying to get business going and get life going and get kids going. 
So it was a lot of things happening at once. Yeah. And so Limerick Lane, known for its Zinfandel. Yeah. What else are you producing there? We've also got round varietals. So we've got Syrah, Grenache, Morved, Petite Syrah. We make a, a number of different wines. Um, I think you and I enjoyed some rosé together this week. Yep. And that really has been and was the day job. Um, but while we had a successful little business that we'd turned around, et cetera, um, things felt incomplete for us. Um, we were driving the boys, not my daughter yet. She was too young, but we were driving the boys to Tahoe every weekend for ski team with no traffic and good weather. That's four hours. And there were times where it took us 13 hours to get there. We were going to the beach every other weekend in the summer and we were just really realizing that we were commuting all the time for our lifestyle, but we were where we were living was for our business and our livelihood, but we really just wanted to try to make a flip. And so that was when we moved to Ketchum um, in order to live a lifestyle that we wanted and have me commute for the work part of it. And then sometime along the way, you have another idea for a company that now goes by the name of Revel Shine. Correct. And talk a little bit about how that came to be and why. So, you know, winemaking and grape growing is in my blood and it's something that I know and it's something that I love and it's something that I'm very good at. Um, and I don't mean for any of that to sound overly cocky or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's what I've done my entire life. Um, but simultaneously what, not only what my dad taught me, but what I would say is my unparalleled passion is the outdoors. And historically, wine and the outdoors don't really connect. Right. <laughs> and we always, my wife and I always struggled to figure out how to connect to the worlds that we were passionate about with the world that we or I loved and was good at doing. And it's kind of funny when we finally distilled it down, but one of the biggest impediments was glass. You know, wine is bottled in glass bottles and um, glass really doesn't fit in the outdoors. You can't bring glass on a river or to the beach or up into the mountains or oftentimes camping. There's a lot of inefficiencies to it as well as danger. I've got a good buddy here who's a river rafting guide who loves wine and he'd go to the length of duct taping his wine bottles. Um, so that if in the off chance they did break, at least he wasn't going to pop his boat. But in that case, he still uh, lost his wine. And so we were really trying to, to solve that problem. Hence Revel Shine. Yeah. But your idea as somebody who's just professed to like, hey, I actually really care about wine. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks, it's like we've seen some of like canned wine and that sort of thing out there. And you're thought was, well, let's actually put quite good wine into these aluminum bottles. And so that was part of it. I will say this with the the admonition that, you know, I have not tried every single quote canned wine out there, but in general, I feel like most canned wine is sold more based on kind of the novelty of the package and it's sold with an intention of scalability on the part of the producer. Yeah. So it's generally lower quality wine. It's in a quote Red Bull size can or a 12 ounce, you know, soda or beer can. And that really doesn't work for me because 
being in the wine industry or being a wine lover, um, the culture of wine is to be able to smell it and taste it. And if I'm drinking something out of a Red Bull can, I can't smell it or taste it at all. So for us, we wanted to create something very different. And we really, I still don't feel like what, what we are making with Revel Shine is canned wine. We're, we're making, you know, really high quality wine and we're putting it in unbreakable bottles. So it's double walled aluminum. It's double insulated. It keeps the wine colder much longer. If you and I are pouring, we're probably going to get three pours out of a Revel Shine bottle. But if someone was a little bit less ambitious, you could totally get four glasses of wine out of it. Um, it's got a screw top. Um, it is fully made and intended to be poured into a, you know, a Yeti tumbler or a Govino or some type of a secondary um, cup so that um, you actually have the ability to smell and taste and savor the wine and, and really enjoy it. It's such a simple idea, really, you know, and, and I, which is usually quite a good thing for a business idea, right? Like it's dead simple. Let's put good wine in a unbreakable container. But it is interesting how certain stigmas sort of work or come to be that, yeah, I always just kind of associate it and I have no idea why. But if you, like, I am not a purchaser in the past of cans of wine because you're just like, wait, that's not what wine comes in, right? right. And, and so, but it's just funny to see these things and see opportunities to kind of reinvent or destigmatize a container in this case. It's really odd. <laughs> yeah. And it's odd to me and I'm grateful for it at the moment, but it's odd to me, quite honestly, that nobody else has done this. Yeah. And so everyone else who is putting wine into this stigmatized container is is using traditional pop top can type scenarios which almost in my opinion stigmatize it more you know it it takes any bit of wine away from the beverage that you could drink inside of it whereas what we're trying to do is really acknowledge what wine is but try to improve the way to get it to outdoor places and and that is a destigmatization and and I guess also I would say it occurred to me before we started this you know, this interview, I was thinking, gosh, what are the blister members going to think about Jonathan interviewing somebody about wine? Mm -hmm. But, you know, really the way I look at it, you know, this is blister gear review. And most people think of gear as what you use during an activity, whether it be, how do I get the best bindings or the best ski boots or the best mountain bike or the best this. But I also look at gear in the outdoor world of what you look to, to review as all things that that fit within the activity. And what I love about what we're doing is, you know, we're making the piece of gear, quote unquote, that fits for the completion of the activity where you just are on that high and you're loving life. And we've, you know, had this great experience, whether it be summer, winter, anywhere else. And you're with people you love, people you enjoy, people you've just connected with. And it's that little moment where you acknowledge it. And for me, being in the outdoors, I want to, you know, I'm in my 40s now. So I will completely concede that in my 20s, I would come back after a great day of skiing and I had stuck 
you know, six Coors Lights in the, in the snow in front of my truck. And it was like time to hit it in the parking lot. I'm a little older now. And so now I want to come back from skiing or mountain biking. And I personally enjoy like a nice glass of wine. And so, you know, that's kind of my world. Um, and so what I love and how I think this does apply is that we are giving, I hope consumers another tool, uh, that they can use in the outdoors. If, you know, if a nice glass of wine is something that fits into their quiver. Yeah. And for the record, I just talk to people I want to talk to yeah. on this podcast. So I don't really care what anybody else thinks. <laughs> like that's not, And it's like, we've had such good conversations prior to ever hitting a record button. I'm like, Jake's cool. I want people to know this guy who I know and have had the pleasure of getting to know. And, and I think for me too, I really like it. I think this is a bit of a bias of mine, perhaps like if you were some fancy winemaker who didn't also love all this stuff in the outdoor space, there wouldn't be that inroad, right? That shared passion. But when I find people who love skiing and mountain biking or trail running, and they also are passionate about this other world that I know less about, that is inherently interesting to me. Right. If you were to ask me, and if I were to be very honest, I would say probably looking at my own scenario from the outside, what I think would probably be the most compelling aspect of what we're doing is the level of authenticity in it. Because um, my wife and I made a huge life change in order to get more in tune with our passion of the outdoors. Uh, this was pre COVID by the way, we've, we've felt this and been trying to figure out how to do this for years. Um, and so creating this product, um, is extraordinarily authentic because we really do love to do that. My kids and I were mountain biking all morning this morning and, um, I know that they're down at the river right now and I'd, I'd probably bet you five bucks. My wife's got a bottle of Revel Shine Rosé with her having a glass of wine on a Sunday afternoon right now. So huh. another thing when we were riding bikes a few days ago, and this is kind of the part where like you have, and you've touched on it a bit here, but kind of this ski culture and wine culture ethos. And I would say a, bike culture and wine culture ethos. And while we were riding and it was really le leisurely ride, I'm, it was literally the first bike ride kind of trail ride I have been on since I blew up my shoulder and broke yep. my ribs. So you were taking it easy on me, but you were talking about how you're like, man, this is actually what I like. You know, like I like touring, whether it's bike touring or ski touring, but and it kind of fits in, you know, frankly, I got a lot of friends back in Crested Butte where it's like, if we're going to go ski or ride, you're having a like, okay, these folks are going to want to dial things to 11 yep. and you better get real focused and serious. And what you were talking about was just a culture of like, I just like being out in the mountains for a long period of time. And if it's traveling slower that's fine to me because that means we're hanging out in the mountains longer. I love skiing and skiing to me is teaching my children how to ski. And I taught all of my kids how to ski and that's skiing backwards on a bunny slope, getting them off the ground on the first time. I love riding the chairlift up. I love 
skinning up in the backcountry. I love skiing down. I love huge technical terrain. I love powder. Uh, as I think we said the other day, the only thing I really don't like is when it's raining when it's skiing. <laughs> right. I just don't like being wet and cold and that's, it, it can be four degrees and I'm into that, but yeah. I don't like it when it's rainy. Um, but to me, skiing is so much more than the actual process of sliding down the hill on, on a pair of sticks. Um, and so I, I just feel like, I feel in some regard, I'm pretty grateful for the fact that I'm able to have that perspective on it because it takes a lot less for me to be really, really stoked in the mountains. Yep. And it takes a lot less for me to want to celebrate with a glass of wine afterwards, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, and I, and I, Hey man, I'll come to Crested Butte and we'll go tear it up and yeah. we'll go push it. But that's not a prerequisite for me to have had a good day. Yeah. And it also, again, I think when I first learned about Revel Shine and you're like, got this aluminum case casing to carry good wine around. But if you are like, yeah, but my touring party tends to want to move pretty fast. That's where there was a bit of the disconnect at first. And this, what you've just explained here, and as we've been talking about this week, this reminds me actually about a conversation I had with Jeff McFetridge, an artist that, you know, who I have had on Blister Podcast a few times, but we had a conversation, you guys can go find it, where Jeff was like, man, I wish we could get back into ski culture where we were all wearing like wool sweaters and wool pants and like maybe we just kind of tied a picnic basket onto our packs and leisurely skinned up like a 13 degree slope and then sat down and just had a picnic in like the sunshine. I mean, this is, was Jeff's words. And while I know that's not all you do, there is something about like reclaiming the chill culture, right? Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I kind of want to do that. Um, <laughs> It's a mindset, right? I mean, I, I just, and I mean, I should say for the record, um, when I ski or when I mountain bike, I, I don't drink while doing that. And, and I also don't indulge in some of the other, you know, uh, intoxicants that people may choose to. Um, I, I get such a natural high from skiing and from mountain biking. And I love, I love the clarity and I love the focus and I just love how great I feel doing it. Um, I, I'm not one to like bring my wine with me all day skiing. I, I certainly love to have a glass of wine afterwards. And I felt like that's where Revelshine was, but the mindset of being open to the outdoors to me, I guess maybe I don't, I don't want to say it's lost right now, but with all of the seeming way that the industry, whether it be mountain biking or, surfing or, or skiing or whatever, the way that the industry tends to move forward is by seeming to push performance mm -hmm. and push limits. Yeah. And that's cool. I mean, I, I got an amazingly uh, light and badass pair of skis based on Luke's recommendation last year. Um, and I love them and they absolutely perform for me. Um, but part of what I actually told him that I wanted was I didn't want the hardest charging pair of skis because I knew that even in the backcountry, if I was taking my kids with me on their first times, I wanted to be able to kind of cruise. Yeah. Um, and so I really wanted 
really light, functional, performance-oriented skis, but I didn't want the hardest chargers. And I I don't know. It's 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 a funny maybe that's part of getting older, but um I loved so the other day, for those of you listening, uh I was not aware that it was Jonathan's first time back on a bike. And I was planning on taking him on a different trail. Um and we ended up riding the Harriman trail here, which is a 19 mile trail that has just got the slightest downhill the whole way. We drove up to Galena and we rode all the way back to town and it was beautiful. Yeah. And we had, it was a two hour ride. We took our time. We talked, we shared stories. We stopped a couple of times and looked at the amazing mountain peaks around us. And that's mountain biking. That's not all of mountain biking, yeah. you know, if we had gone and hit forbidden fruit, that was going to be mountain biking too. Yeah. But I think that most people tend to think that mountain biking is when you have a grinder of a hill that you climb up and then you rip down as hard as you can on single track. And that's part of it. But I don't think that's all of it. Yeah. By the way, I did finally make it out to forbidden fruit last night. And it was like, I, well, I met up with Chris Davenport mm-hmm. last night. We had a great time. One of our co-founders in Rebel Shine. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah, hang out with Chris, get done, and and uh, I drop him off, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, I think I have time to sneak a ride in. We had been talking about Forbidden Fruit, and I'd been doing some other rides in the area, but um, last night, I think I left, I started pedaling from the trailhead at like 8.40 p.m. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be a little bit, a little bit of a race against the incoming darkness, but made it to the top and it was 9.21 PM, but it's nice. Like it stays lighter out here Absolutely. later than it does in Crested Butte. Right. And, and, uh, so yeah, dropped in at like exactly 9.21 last night and yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Did you, so listeners be interested or else we'll cut it later, but did you ride up shady side or did you go right up the center of the valley? Shady side. Yeah. That's yeah. fun trail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's mountain biking too, all yeah. the way. I mean, I ride that a couple times a week with my kids, Yeah, you know, or yeah. by myself. So, but I will say, I mean, s- still, this is now we're way off track, but the whole mental thing, like getting, like getting back in the saddle, as they say, you know, forbidden fruit, you can go mock loony down that trail if you want, but given how I crash, which was on loose, I'm like, oh man, you know, like, and it was a real interesting head game for me and it was getting pretty dark, yep. you know, but just the, the mental stuff going on. Uh, it was a little different than our, our Harriman trail ride. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, I did not crash. So that's mm-hmm. good. My ortho will be psyched on that. There you go. But, um, cool to, cool to finally get over there and and <laughs> actually actually make it down before it was uh you know pitch black out so all good there you go yeah you talked about chris davenport we yeah. can talk about some of the other ways that, yeah yeah that we're trying to do it a little bit different with the business maybe do it you know we really were looking with with revel shine by the way um my favorite ski resort is Revelstoke and my favorite Almond Brothers song is Soulshine. And when we were trying to think of what to call this brand that I wanted to create for wine, that I wanted to be able to celebrate all things outdoors with, 
it seemed like reveling under the sunshine and letting your soul shine was about where it was. And so we put it all together and we just made up a word. Uh, and that that's how Revel Shine came to be. Um, but we also thought, you know, to create this, you know, this is a passion project for us, but of course we've put a lot of money into trying to build this. What's the best way to get it out there and to do it in an authentic way. And fortunately through my life and my career, whether it be intentional or just luck or sub subconsciously, I always seem to have pushed into the outdoor world. So we developed a good network of friends out there. Um, but we decided to bring on people within the industry, the outdoor industry, um, as co-founders, we did not want influencers. We did not want ambassadors. We wanted people who really believed in this and really wanted to build it into their life. And so we brought on people like Chris Davenport, who is a, an equity partner in this business. Shane Dorian, big wave surfer. Um, Salema Masakela, everybody knows the Sal, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, Emily Harrington and Adrian Bollinger, Jeremy Jones, uh, Vasu Sohitra, um, Sage Erickson, you know, the Gadowskis brothers. We've got top surfers, top skiers, top mountain bikers, top snowboarders, top mountain climbers, um, all in this who are really partners in this and promoting this. And, and to take it a step further, just in the interest of authenticity, the goal was not to have them post pictures on Instagram. Um, the goal and you know, I think that nobody embodies it better than our mutual buddy, Chris, um, was for him to believe in the product enough, which he does, uh, to where he took it to ski resorts across Colorado and said, guys, I really want this here. And obviously he's got some pull because he's Chris Davenport. And, and now we're getting into the food and beverage program so that other people who are not to say emulating the life of Chris, but living a similar life to Chris in similar ways, we'll be able to have Revel Shine available to them uh, in the same ways that he does. And I think that's really cool. I mean, this feels a little perverse since this is still pretty new, but I was tempted to ask you just simply what's next? I mean, the space we're sitting in, I guess. This is going to be a big focus or it's going to be a big focus or zero focus as yeah, you said at the, the yeah at the top you know we're, we're kind of getting out there in this conversation but it's kind of funny how we're it's almost instilled upon us like this american dream ideal that there has to be something next and it has to get bigger and it has to grow more and you have to push harder I don't know. And I don't know if there is a next. I certainly have a lot of desire and ambition and love for both wine and the outdoors. Um, but quite honestly, if I could continue to build this business and be able to take my wife and my children to rivers and, you know, beaches and mountains and uh, include my family in a way to promote healthy and sustainable and responsible wine consumption to celebrate this beautiful outdoors that, you know, is quote meant to be shared, which we, we, that's kind of our tagline with Revel Shine. It's meant to be shared. And that refers to the wine as well as the outdoors. I don't know if there is anything after that, because I honestly, I couldn't envision anything that I'd rather do. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it would be to get to come to Crested Butte and participate in the summit next year. And hopefully we could, you know, get a couple of days in on skis while we're there. Um, but it's kind of the same thing as enjoying, you know, the mellower moments of the ski day. You know, I think, I think right now, 
you and I are here. You've been here for a few days. This is the last day, and we're finally doing this interview yeah. and recording. Um, but I've enjoyed everything leading up to this just as much because we've had some wine, we've had a beer, we've had, you know, some uh, you know, great mountain bike ride. It's, it's, it's all, it's all part of the journey. Yeah, good answer. The thing, though, that I know about you, and I think it's true of a lot of founders, is sometimes we become, I think, like perpetual idea generators. So I, I like your answer because it's like, Hey, this is enough. Like we're good. And, and I think the macro view of what you just laid out, that's, that rings a hundred percent true with everything I know about you, but we've spitballed a lot of, but you're calling me out here. You're calling me <laughs> <at> the table. <laughs> I, it, that's why I just wanted to see how you would answer the question. And I, and you don't need to go back on your answer, but I, but I think people should know that you're not exactly a guy who has now run out of ideas. No, we've spent <laughs> a lot of time this week talking about what's next for Blister. We've talked about what's next for Revelshine. We've talked about what's next across the board. And if there was a third thing I would say that my dad taught me besides an intense love for the outdoors and how to make wine and, and a love for winemaking, um, it would be, you know, to creatively live with passion and keep coming up with ideas. He was always thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I would never want to be stagnant. That would be kind of the the death blow, I think, mm -hmm. for me in terms of my, my psyche and who I am. Um, but I don't know if what's next has to be in the wine space. I don't know if it has to be in the outdoor space. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out when yeah. it comes. But I'll, the, the gears are always running in my head, and I'll, I'll certainly keep you posted on that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> and I like... I like, again, coming back to what you said about if I can spend time with my wife and kids in the outdoors, that's enough. And I think what I don't think either of us are interested in is just perpetually starting new stuff to keep ourselves on like an insane treadmill. Yeah. So I think having that like, well, wait, what is the macro? What is ultimately the most important thing? And then while all these ideas are being generated, well, does that do any of those new ideas slot in to the big macro thing that you've already said. And I think that's probably a pretty healthy, yeah. healthy thing to have in place. You know, Revelshine needed to be. Revelshine wasn't not going to be yeah. somehow. And we, it being like the two most major driving forces in my life, and having them somewhat running parallel to each other, finding a way to bring them together. Um, it, it almost happened without my intention. Um, and I also think, you know, I'll never be a skier like Chris Davenport or a snowboarder like Jeremy Jones or a surfer like Sage Erickson or, or any of those things. And and a real actually guiding light and, and friend and in some ways mentor is, is Selena, um, who loved skateboarding and surfing and, and all the things that he did, but he knew he wasn't as good at that, but he wanted to be in the industry. And so he found his way to fit in. And so for us to be able to be a part of this outdoor industry and outdoor world and, and, you know, give what we have to offer is really, really rewarding. Um, and, and I certainly am very proud of that, but it was going to happen. I, I think, I think unintentionally and unknowingly, totally subconsciously, I think I was probably trying to figure out how to do this for a long time prior. 
and so along the way, I've had 75 other harebrained ideas and there's a few noodles that are still sticking to the wall in the office in the other room, but whether or not those come to fruition or not, it's a little bit different than Rebel Shine. Well, hey man, this is actually day eight for me out here. <laughs> On vacation. <laughs> this is the funny part. I showed up here and you started calling this my vacation. And I was like, man, I'm still putting hours in, some late night hours, but okay. This you is told me you needed to get out of town, you needed a little break. And so, yeah, maybe I parlayed <laughs> that into vacation, but you know, it's been some fun times here too. Oh, it's been real fun. Welcome to catch him. Yeah, man. My first time out here. It's wild to me that I've never been out here before, but uh, I can say for sure, not my last time. Yeah, here. you got to come in the winter when we can go tour a little bit up in those uh, beautiful hills up there. Yeah, I'm already looking forward to uh, getting back to this place. And man, we have met some good people yep. this week. And, and that's, man, that's such a cool thing. You know, you set up some of those introductions and man, to have to have the opportunity to roll into a place like Ketchum with such a significant history. And that's really interesting to me on a number of levels. But then, you know, for you to be like, do you know so-and-so? Have you met so-and-so? And and to kind of get to meet some new folks that are just really doing cool things in this community, that that's pretty invaluable. And that's been a really cool part of this trip. Well, you know... Not not to blow too much wind in your sails, but I would also say, and I hope that people, you know, your consumers as well, or your your client base and, and members at Blister as well, if they happen to try Revelshine, I hope that they look at Revelshine the same way that I as a member look at Blister. So it's a really easy thing for me to introduce you to the people here because it's a straight up legit quality product. You know, I... I will always be a Blister member and I can with confidence tell Ulan who owns the bike shop and the ski shop here or Zach who owns Sun Valley Guides and everybody else, Cassie at Wild Rye who you were with and yeah. everything else. Um, I can with confidence make the introduction because I know the quality of the product and I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And and hopefully people will see the same thing in Rebel Shine. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, we need to we need to do more of it. <laughs> we should do some more of it. Hey man, thank you. Thanks for sitting down for this conversation. I again, that is kind of my thing. You you had said you were like, are people really going to want to hear a conversation about wine? And I'm like, to me, the pleasure of some of these conversations is that I just get to introduce our audience to people that I find really interesting in my walk, right? And so, yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know him before. That was uh, that was Jake Bilbro. And why don't we do this? Why don't we put when you post this? By that time, I will. I'm working on the fly here. I'll give you a code so that all of your members, if they want to try Revelshine, they can get free shipping on their first order. So they get a little perk as being a, a Revelshine member. Oh, nice! That can be exclusive for them. We'll figure out some way to do that. So okay, uh, we'll, we'll stoke everybody who actually made it this far into the <laughs> into the conversation out. But they, you know, they had to get all the way to the end to find out. Yeah. Hey, man, appreciate it. Yep. Good luck with everything you have going on. I'm going to let you get back to uh, the family now. We'll talk soon. Okay, man. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. And if you are a Blister member, check out the Blister Member Clubhouse page to get the code for Jake's offer on Revelshine. 
I didn't know he was going to offer that. So thanks, Jake. That was nice of you. And I also want to thank Jake for this conversation and for being a good trail guide here in Ketchum. I want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And, of course, thanks to you for listening. And now I am going to hit the road and head back to Crested Butte. And on behalf of everybody, well, here in Ketchum and back in Gunnison and CB, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon. Bye, everybody.